The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It's always the biggest deal for us right now as we try to get through this pandemic. We're talking about vaccines. Phase 2A of the province's rollout started this morning. There were, again, a few hiccups. AHS says that there were intermittent issues with its online booking. 811 was really busy. So this new phase is for Albertans born 1947 to 1946. So people who are turning 64 or all the way up to 74 years of age, doesn't matter where they live, uh, you can be in your own private home. Also for First Nations, Métis and Inuit people born 1971 or earlier. And then also picking up some of the staff and residents of licensed senior supportive living facilities that weren't included in Phase 1. So... The AstraZeneca vaccines, that was for somewhat younger people. Those are pretty much all taken up already. There were only about 58,000 to start with. Uh, so for people born in 1962 and after, it's another waiting game. Uh, also some concern. You've been hearing about some of those European countries that have put their AstraZeneca vaccine rollout on pause. Uh, an abundance of caution due to uh, reports of potential complications with blood clots. Uh, so obviously there's a lot to talk about on the vaccine front. Much more as well. Uh, happy to welcome Jason Tetro to the show this afternoon. Microbiologist, host of the super awesome science show on Curious Cast. Uh, author of The Germ Code, The Germ files we call him the germ guy <laughs> that, that that must be a great uh, way to go through your life jason the germ guy oh it, it's wonderful people shake my hand and they use sanitizer right afterwards basically <laughs> my life is adrian monk that's all I, can say. <laughs> I do remember that show okay well that was a bit of an obscure reference but if anybody hadn't seen that show with uh, tony shalhoub played the uh, played monk right yeah, yeah. Uh, for those who are wondering he's the father of mrs mazel now but uh, my goodness that was such a fun show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, germ guy. Uh, why don't we start first with, uh, with with AstraZeneca and some of the concerns that are that are being raised. So in Europe, there's uh, I think it's about a dozen countries that have sort of put their AstraZeneca rollout mm-hmm. on pause. Just explain what the concerns are and whether we should have any concerns here in Canada. Yeah, so there's actually two concerns. Uh, One happens to be something that's with pretty much all uh, vaccines, including influenza. Um, And that happens to be, if you get a a shot, I mean, obviously your immune system gets perked up. Mm -hmm. But if it gets perked up a little too much, as we've heard with people who, you know, have the inflammatory problems with COVID, you can end up having clots, uh, DVT, uh, you know, thrombosis in the legs, that type of thing. And so that is one of the concerns that you can actually look for in a vaccine, but it's always looked for in the clinical trials. There's been no sense of that. Now, the AstraZeneca is also what we call an adenovirus, and an adenovirus will allow you to, um, you know, really get a good immune response. But if the adenovirus all of a sudden escapes and gets into your bloodstream, it too can cause clots. Now, the reality is that it's very unlikely with this type of adenovirus that they're using in the AstraZeneca. Mm -hmm. But because there's a history of this happening, it has to be given a look at. And right now what we're hearing is that when you go back over the millions of doses that have been provided, there has been no indication of that. And also work that's been done in the lab to find out if this is possible has also shown that it's not. So most likely these are just um, coincidences 
circumstances where two different types of um, factors have sort of over uh, overlapped each other but are totally um, separate from one another. Uh, and, and the other thing is that, um, you know, in some places where they have seen clots associated with a particular type of uh, vaccination, as they've said, it's actually less common than the actual rate of the clots themselves in the general population. So, well, and, and that's the other issue that has been brought up, too, is that there would, you know, there is some people are just going to get blood clots. It might be a very small number or whatever. And that at this point, there's no way to directly link it to the vaccine per se. Just because you happen to get it and get a blood clot doesn't mean that there is a solid line that can go from one to the other. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. You know, when we talk about having that sort of overlap, you may have someone who has a chronic illness and may actually be suffering from some aspect of that chronic illness. And then they get the vaccine. And unfortunately, they just seem to happen within a certain amount of time. And remember, we talk about uh, adverse events or side effects lasting about a week after you've received a vaccine. So if usually if something happens within that week, it's definitely worth talking with your healthcare provider to ta- find out whether or not there might be a link. There's nothing wrong with that. Where it becomes a problem is people just automatically assuming that the vaccine is bad and that we have to throw it in the garbage and you know, re- you know rely on something else. Uh, by the way, the uh, text line uh, 7804960063. So if you want to jump in on the conversation, uh, I've had a few people saying, "Hey, if any of those European countries don't want to use the uh, the <laughs> AstraZeneca vaccine, hey, we'll buy it. We'll bring it on in." Uh, yeah, thing. well, I mean, if you think about it, we got 30 million sitting in the states. They haven't even approved of AstraZeneca right now. It's actually more a concept of um, nationalism and protectionism that is actually preventing those doses from coming to Canada. And you know, it's it's not easy to get past those. Yeah, well, no, absolutely. And uh, well, you, you bring protectionist into uh, things, into into health as well, and it, it just becomes just a massive jumble. But yeah, uh, I, bottom line, if, if you were getting the AstraZeneca vaccine tomorrow, would you would you have any qualms about taking it? Because we've also been told that this isn't even the same batch that we're got, we have here. Oh, yeah. That that maybe there are some concerns within the, in Europe anyway. Yeah, if this was a batch issue, we're not getting that particular batch anyways. And for the record, I'm 50, so I should be getting the vaccine, but they ran out, so I'm kind of miffed about that. So you're kind of touching a nerve here. Yeah, well, hey, I'm, I'm right in the, I was right on, on the cusp as well, right? Oh, no. So I was born in 63, so I was sometime uh, going to be earlier this week. But uh, mm-hmm. actually, Shea Ganim had said uh, last week when I was talking about it, gone, you're never going to get to them anyway. That's all going to get used up. So now we have to wait for the, new, uh, the other ones to come through. Uh, but there are a lot more. It's sort of a quiet week uh, as we go through yeah. this week, but then it really ran up right with the number of different vaccines that are coming into the country yeah and that's one thing that we can be really happy about is this week we're going to hear a lot more of the uh, type of complaints that we heard in february uh, and then next week when we start seeing that massive ramp up it's really not going to be there's not going to be any time for us to complain because we're all going to be trying to be on the phone systems trying to book an appointment uh, i mean so the reality is that yes we've got to wait a little bit longer and you know i i may end up having to wait until april you may have to wait till the end of the month but we are all eventually going to get our shots and from the sounds of it based on the amount of vaccines that are coming in it really does sound like they're trying to get as many people as they can vaccinated by june 30th so we can have july 1st as being the coming out block party across yeah. the country but that's all what that's all that's all just single doses though right that's your first you dose what, yeah but you have to realize something one of the really interesting things is that when we first 
started with COVID-19. The whole idea was to eliminate it like we do with measles. And the only way you could do that, it's called sterilizing immunity, was to get two shots, okay? But what we've learned since the approvals is that you can actually get what's called a baseline immunity where you all of a sudden might suffer a little bit of symptoms, you know, just like a common cold, but you won't go to the moderate or severe symptoms that, of course, lead to the healthcare utilization that everyone's worried about. So in that sense, if we give everybody one shot and we all give them that baseline protection, we end up actually getting out of the pandemic. And I think that's really sort of the switch that's happened over the last six weeks. And what we hope to do is eventually get to a point where we have this sort of cold, flu, COVID season. And then what we end up doing is we get, um, you know, a flu vaccine every year and probably a COVID-19 vaccine every year. We're not going to get a cold, a common cold vaccine because they're just not being made. But, you know, I'm going to bring up another anachronism. As Meatloaf said, you know, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> uh, when you get one kind of vaccine, you have to get the same kind of vaccine as the booster shot, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. That that right now is really what we want people to understand. Um, there might be the opportunity for mixing, and, uh, you know, we've seen this with something like the flu shot. But at this moment in time, the best thing for you to do is to register what type it is that you got. And in Alberta, it's going to be pretty simple. Uh, and then when the time comes for your second shot, you basically tell them that this is what I have had or hopefully it'll be in your electronic records thanks to connect care jason can you hang on the line for a little bit i need to take a quick break but i want to talk about uh, some of the issues that we're seeing again in europe there's some more lockdowns i want to talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that brazil uh, variant that has now shown up in alberta and then uh, i'll check in with a few more texts as well so if you can hang on we'll come back here in just a flash here on 6 30 chat afternoons welcome back 780-496-0063 is the text line if you want to dive into the conversation and jason tetro is joining us the germ guy the microbiologist the uh host of the super awesome science show uh nice to have you here jason you know what i I got a text in here a little bit uh, a little bit ago and it it deals with all the the sort of mixed messages you know i'm not going to read the Mm -hmm. whole thing because it goes on forever so you know uh, we we shut down the country for a death rate that's minuscule uh now we shouldn't be concerned that 10 out of 50 countries where astrazeneca use has been halted uh Mm -hmm. we had so it keeps you know different bits of information and and it, it, it seems like it's eroding confidence in some of those professional opinions that we want to follow. Yeah, and, and I mean, I totally understand that when it comes to, uh, you know, the daily press conferences that we've been ha- hearing about from uh, all the different uh, health authorities, um, we have municipal, we have uh, provincial, we have federal, and, you know, there are times where they seem to be at odds with one another, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the thing is, is that We are dealing with a virus that, when it first came out, looked to be what we call an atypical pneumonia. And for a microbiologist, that makes you kind of pucker certain aspects of your body and go, oh, dear, this is bad. Um, And so we essentially started off with the, okay, we really just need to shut everything down, just like they did in China, and that's going to get us to a better place. The problem, of course, is that you can only do that for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. And so people will eventually, within six weeks, 
you know, rebel if you want. And so we had to start loosening restrictions, especially when we got to a good point. But then, you know, that, that whole second wave came around and then the variants came around. And what ended up happening was messaging had to kind of move forward, but also go back to the future and all of these things. And a lot of people, unfortunately, were just listening to it going, I don't know what to do. And that really does um, play a massive role in helping the public to understand what people like myself are thinking. Yeah. I've tried to maintain and you know, my message the exact same since day one. Uh, I've only had to modify it a couple of times. But yeah, I totally get that. You know, when you're hearing Teresa Tam say one thing and Dina Henshaw saying another and then Mayor Iveson saying one more thing, you're just kind of scratching your head going, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, infuriating at the very least. But you know what? Uh, there, there is some concern as we see what's going on in Europe right now, like Italy again, uh, hitting a, a third wave and starting to lock things down. Mm -hmm. uh, the similar things happening in some other European countries. Those are variant-driven uh, issues, yeah. are they not? Yeah, and the, the reason is is that the variant happens to have uh, evolved. Uh, we call it a, an adaptation, where it becomes um, happier in the human body. I mean, it was basically a bat and pangolin coronavirus, and then it got into us. And over time, it sort of developed into something that was better suited for humans. And what that unfortunately means is that it spreads faster, and it also can grow faster inside of our bodies. And, you know, the, the general rule of uh, more bad stuff stuff means more bad things mm -hmm. really does apply. Uh, so that's kind of what's been happening. And unfortunately, we're in a race right now between variant and vaccine. And because of the fact that, you know, we are in a limited environment when it comes to vaccine manufacturing, we're still having to deal with the fact that the variants are going to come in. And now we're just doing everything we can to prevent that third wave. And we've gone literally back a year to where we were when it first showed up in some of these places where they're just locking everything down again because they just don't know what else to do. Have they not had a vigorous sort of vaccination uh, system uh, process as well? I would have thought Italy, especially after what they went through last spring, uh, would have. Okay, so you have to realize okay. something. <laughs> the, 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 the fact is, is that it's not Italy, it's the European Union. Mm. And the European Union, um, I've dealt with them in the past with many of regulatory issues. <laughs> they are they're, they're, um, um, uh, finicky, let's put it that way. Yeah. And, and so as a result, of that, what has happened is that many of the approvals that have occurred come with strings attached. And unfortunately, those strings attached make it much harder for the vaccine to get into people's arms. Uh, it's just Europe. That's just the way they are. And ironically, and I really hate saying this because I'm actually going to say something about Brexit that's positive, that Brexit gave the UK the nationalism they needed to be able to maximize their vaccine rollout. Mm. Because if they, had if they were still with the EU, they would be just at the same rate as all the other countries. So, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I don't like saying it, but yeah. it's absolutely true. Uh, the big question that people have as well is, you know, there, so there's two cases of this Brazil variant that's, uh, that are now in, in Alberta, mm -hmm. plus, you know, a couple of the other variants. How effective is the vaccine uh, in dealing with those variants? It, because it seems to me that some of these are brand new. We don't know how effective it is. Well, I, yeah, we do. Um, here's the problem. Uh, variants are, are happening all the time. We've got thousands and thousands of different types of variants out there. 
only the ones that are making a difference in the way that it affects our bodies are, are the ones that we're mentioning. And out of those, there, there's really only three or four really important ones, and they just kept getting, um, they're, they're, they're sort of being replicated in different parts of the world. So the UK is very similar to the South African, which is very similar to the Brazilian, and they're just minor changes. So the reality is whether you're talking about the UK one, the South African, the Brazilian, the Manaus one, um, or the California or the Ohio or whatever, uh, it's a certain type of mutation that has occurred that is reducing the effectiveness of the vaccine. But it's still incredibly effective at preventing the moderate to severe disease so you still want to get that vaccine. Where it's becoming a problem, and this is something that I've actually talked, like I actually wrote about this in the literature over a year ago, is that if you had had a natural infection, not a vaccine, but a natural infection immunity, then these variants may actually make your infection worse. And so it's imperative that regardless of whether you had the, uh, the virus or not, whether you've been infected or not, you go and get a vaccine because it's going to give you the immune system you need to be able to deal with these variants. And once again, and, and you touched on it a little bit earlier, and then I have another texture that comes in and, 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 and mentioned that vaccines don't stop transmission. You mentioned that it reduces the, the, the impact yeah. of the vaccine. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's, and people are going to be um, fascinated to find this out, but it's the same with measles. We're all vaccinated against measles, but at the end of the day, if measles comes into our community, we get the measles inside of us, and it kind of stays inside of us for a day or two, and we may end up transferring it to another person. It's just that we don't get sick. That's what the vaccine does. And so in that light, what's going to happen is that the more people we have vaccinated, the more likely it is that nobody's going to have any symptoms or they're going to have mild symptoms. And that's what, what I meant earlier when I said the cold, flu, and COVID season, is that the COVID will come in, it'll circulate around, but we're not really going to notice it enough to be able to do it, like to, to force us to do anything like we've done this past year. And that's basically what we're aiming for right now. Jason Tetro is host of the Super Awesome Science Show, author of The Germ Code, The Germ Files, we call him The Germ Guy. Uh, you're kind of chatty. This this time just went flying by. Are, are you not tired of talking about this yet? Well, you know what? I've been doing it for more than just this pandemic. This is not my first <laughs> run. I did the same thing with uh, the 2009-2010 pandemic. It's just that nobody remembered it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it didn't shut down our entire country and our lives either. No, but we did shut down schools. We did shut down businesses. We did shut down a whole bunch of things. In some so, areas. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, we're going to forget about this by 2023. And no, then... I'm, ne I'm never forgetting about this, Jason. I don't oh, know about yeah. you, well, but this you know is... Sticking we'll with me forever. We'll, we'll do a chinwag in 2024 right. and see what you remember. Sounds good. Good chinwag today. Appreciate your time. It was a pleasure. Take care. All right. Much more to come on 630 Chat Afternoons.